0: Uh, we are going to um, uh, read uh, John 1, 35. It's our scripture lesson for today. Um, and so uh, if you, you, can be seated, you can be seated for this. John writes, The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Hey, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Thanks Amen. to God. Well, as you can imagine, this is the first sermon in our sermon series. <laughs> i got, I got a lot of good, easy jokes today. I appreciate that. So, um, and, and we, I was, as Nick and I were chatting about our, our worship service and how we wanted it to flow and what we wanted to do, what really became forefront to us was that we wanted you to encounter Jesus here. We want you to come and meet him and him meet you where you are, but specifically through the worship service that we have here. And so we wanted to look at different ways and different times, different people that encountered Jesus along the way as well, and see how he speaks to them, how he reveals himself to to them, but also how they are revealed to themselves. So that is what we are doing uh, going forward. We're going to look at a various uh, number of encounters that Jesus has uh, with different people throughout Scripture. The question Jesus asked his first two disciples is, what are you seeking? It's kind of a big question. It's kind of the, the what, do you, what do you want? the existential stuff. What are you looking for? What gets you up in the morning? What's the first thing you think about in the morning? I have a friend in Atlanta, when I asked him this question, he goes, Greg's list. I am looking at classic cars on Craigslist before he gets out of bed, and he works just enough to be able to afford a very nice collection of classic American muscle cars. That is the first thing that he does. That's what he wants. That's what he's searching for. What is it that gets you up in the morning? We're a small enough group so we can shout some things out. What wakes you up in the morning? Coffee? Coffee. Uh, yes. Kids. 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 Absolutely. Whether we want them to. or The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Wow, throwback. Good job. Good job. <laughs> work. I heard work as well, right? Whether we want, again, whether we want to go there or not. We get up to go to work. Sometimes it's our kids jumping on us. It's the dog in our face. It's knowing that we have to have breakfast ready for the kids before they go to school. It might be our job whether we love it or not, but we know it will provide for our family. It knows. We know that it will give us what we some of the things that we want in life. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's the security that it provides. The stuff we can buy. The trips that we can take. There's lots of things that gets us up in the morning. and Maybe your motivations are more noble than these. You want to heal people. You want to make a difference in people's lives. You want to help people. You want to create justice and mercy in the world. You want to create something beautiful. But I'd venture to guess that these are still kind of surface level wants and desires that we have. I think there's still something deeper. The book, The Other Half of the Church, explores brain science and the church. Right? Our left brain is the rational part, and our right brain is the more emotional or creative part. And this book says that when we walk into a room, the first part of our brain that fires off is the right side of our brain. It's the emotional side. It's asking this question every six seconds. Our brain is saying, am I safe? Do I belong here? Am I safe here? Do I belong here? I think this is a core question of our being. I think it's the exact same question Jesus is trying to get at with his disciples in this passage. One of identity. Am I safe? Do I matter? And one of belonging. Am I a part of this group? Is this something that's okay for me to be at? I think this is the deeper motivation for why we get up, why we go to our jobs, why we provide for our family, create beauty, and collect cars. It's because we're trying to find identity and belonging see jesus was baptized by john the baptist in our passage just the 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 passage before this the previous day and so he's walking by the same place and and john calls out to him as he did the day before behold the lamb of god and two of john's disciples decide we're going with that guy and so they're following jesus and jesus turns to them and says what are you looking for what do you want and they kind of fumble the answer to that, right? They're like, Rabbi, kind of a nice turn of respect for him. And they go, uh, where are you staying? He goes, come with me, I'll show you. So after spending the evening with them, one of them, Andrew, is convinced that Jesus is pretty special. And so he goes and finds his brother, Simon. And he says, we found the Messiah. And so Simon has to come and see for himself. And in doing so, something, I think, incredibly curious happens. Jesus looks at Simon and he tells him his name and who his dad is, and then says, I'm going to call you Peter. He gives him a nickname immediately. Well, why does Jesus do this? In renaming Simon Peter, Jesus is giving Peter both identity and belonging. Identity is that desire that who we are matters, and belonging is a desire to be connected to something or someone greater than ourselves. Identity is personal and intimate. It's our name. It's our passion. It's what matters to us. And belonging is corporate and transcendent. It's what and who we're connected to, our family, our relationships, our causes, our community. And by renaming Peter, Jesus reshapes how Peter understands himself and connects him in relationship to Jesus. Jesus tells Peter that he matters to him and he has a purpose for him and he is with him in that purpose as well. Jesus, or sorry, Peter's life is reshaped by this new identity being found, belonging to Jesus. Now Jesus calls him Rock, or Rocky. It's not just a kind of a funny nickname to give him. But later on he says, Jesus says to Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And we see this transformation take place in Peter's life from in the, the story of the Gospels where he's just kind of bumbling along and he never knows quite what to say and he steps, talks out a turn and does all these uh, kind of ridiculously ridiculous things. So after the resurrection, when he preaches with power in the book of Acts and calls people to put their faith and trust And Jesus he his life changes he changes from this shifting sand of a person to this rock that Jesus says on him I will build my church how can Jesus do this it's one thing for him to do it but how can he do this what gives him the authority to be able to do it well it's because of who he is in this passage we see him called three given three different titles John calls him the, the Lamb of God. Uh, the first two disciples call him Rabbi or Teacher. And then finally Andrew says, you're the Messiah. And these are huge terms. And we don't have time to go into them. We can preach sermons on each of these uh, for quite a while. So I want to give you kind of the summary of this. First of all, Lamb of God. By, saying, by John saying that Jesus is the Lamb of God, he's saying that he is the one who heals the disintegration in our life. Jesus is the one that heals the sin that is in our life. Sin is separation, and separation happens on three different levels. It happens between us and God. It happens between us and others, the community that we're in. And it happens between us and ourselves. And Jesus says, I'm the one who can heal all three of those things. I am the Lamb of God. The two disciples call him rabbi, because Jesus is the one who lives life in its fullest. And so he is able to be the teacher who shows us how to live. Now, we usually talk about this as a moral code, and that might be where we first go and think. But this is way more than this. This is being able to live alive, live life to its fullest. St. Paul summarizes it in his letter, letter to Galatians when he says that living in the way of Jesus bears fruit. There's love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I think that's something that I want in my life. I would love to be more patient and peaceful and loving with my kids. Okay. Safety would say to her as well. She's not in the room. <laughs> Paul contrasts this with things like sexual immorality, idolatry, strife, jealousy. Fits of anger, rage, drunkenness, divisions, and envy. Jesus shows us that we can have these, this this fruit in our life, and we can live life in its fullness. Lastly, Andrew says he's the Messiah. The Messiah was a big Old Testament term that, for the ancient, the first century Jewish people, they were waiting for the Messiah to come. They were waiting for the one who would restore their kingdom, the one who would give them hope. Jesus is the one who embodies hope. In him we can place our hope because hope gives us purpose and direction. Hope gives us a goal. Hope means that we can orient our lives around Jesus. And the biblical understanding of hope is a guaranteed outcome. It's not just this ethereal nature, but it's something that we can be sure of. Jesus gives us hope that our suffering is not in vain. Jesus gives us hope that we have a purpose. Jesus gives us hope that we can be healed. Jesus gives us hope that life is more than what we see. Jesus heals us. He shows us how to live. And he gives us hope. As the Lamb of God, Jesus tells us we matter. As a rabbi, he reminds us that he is with us in this life. And as a messiah, he gives us purpose. I found a phenomenal podcast uh, recently on Spotify uh, called Finding Fred. It's about Mr. Rogers. And if you want to ball your eyes out for like 30 minutes every day, uh, I would suggest listening to this. Um, especially if you're on a plane. Somehow that always happens to me. Um and so Mr. Rogers grew up in a rather uh, privileged uh, family in a, an incredibly underprivileged area. Uh, in elementary school, he was taken to school in a limo when most of the rest of the town was not sure that they could put food on the table. His parents were just, uh, incredibly successful in that way. Um, but he was incredibly shy because of this. And when it came for him to go to high school, he uh, really did not want to do this. He was scared to death and he was incredibly unpopular. Well it happened, he tells a story that it happened that Jim Stumball was the big man on campus. He was the athlete that played all the sports. He was the popular guy in a school. And he got injured in practice. And so the teacher decided that Fred would be the one who would take the homework to Jim every day for him to do while he was in the hospital. So Fred began visiting Jim, and they began to spend time together, and they chatted with one another. They shared stories of their lives over the, over the course of weeks. And so they really got to know each other, and they got to be friends with one another. So much so that when uh, Jim came back and he came to, to school, he began to tell people, That Rogers kid's Okay. And Fred said, this made all the difference in the world. Students stopped teasing him, and he became built, be, began to came alive. He began to flourish in high school. He wrote for the school newspaper, and he became the president of the student council. He was able to truly be himself. He was accepted and welcomed by Jim, the big man on campus. And that made all the difference in the world. This is what Jesus does for Peter and what he does for us. The God of love transcends the brokenness and enters into the world to love us where we are. See, Peter's encounter with Jesus reminds us that when we see Jesus for who he is, Jesus helps us see ourselves in the way that he does. Jesus gives us what we truly want, identity and belonging. Jesus says, that, that John guy? He's alright. That Natalie girl? She's okay. That Tom? I'm with him. He's okay. You matter to me. You are not alone. Jesus heals our brokenness. He teaches us what it means to truly live. He carries our hope. He gives us an identity and belonging that can never be taken away because his was taken away. He gave up his place in heaven to come and be with us on earth, and he lost all of that when he went to the cross so that we would know that we would never be alone and that we would always be connected to the one whose love will never leave us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for for kid giggles. We thank you that they know that they are loved, that they know that they matter to us, that they belong here. Lord, remind us of that uh, in our lives. Remind us, uh, adults and parents, who think we have it all together, that we matter to you, that in you we have identity and belonging, that you love us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Thank you for giving us identity and belonging. Amen. 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 Amen.